Welcome to Roman's Road, the podcast of me, Eddie Roman. This is where we talk about evangelism and apologetics and all kinds of Christian stuff. We are coming to you from the 2020 Shepherds Conference, and we are not big enough to afford a studio or have some kind of table or booth at the conference itself. So we are in the parking lot. That's right. This is a in-car studio and someday I'll have more clout than that but not today but anyway I'm here with a good friend of mine someone who's been an influence to me on my evangelism he's been a big encouragement over the years he's kind of been around the living waters guys for a very long time he has served and taught in our ambassadors academies and I am talking about Steve Sanchez. Steve, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You're welcome. It's a privilege to be here in this little hot car in the parking (laughs) lot at the Shepherds Conference. I tried to use some of my influence and they offered me the restroom. So this is a step up. Thank you, Eddie. Yeah, no problem. We can sit in this car anytime. So (laughs) Steve is someone who, man, I don't know how to, uh, to describe him other than probably one of the most creative fun evangelists I I know. And so he has a, a blog, um, stonethepreacher.com. Com. Dot com. Dot com. I always get the dot com and dot org name wrong on everyone's thing. So stonethepreacher.com, as in people throwing stones at you while yeah, you're preaching? That was the original inspiration after open air preaching with Ray and all the others, I thought that's probably a pretty catchy name. Though I've never been stoned. I have been smacked in the face. Mm-hmm. I have had a pitcher of water thrown at me when we preached at a beer garden. I've been kicked at and I've had a coin thrown at me, but not too much. And of course, the obligatory curses and yeah. insults. Now, when the pitcher of water was dumped on you, was it a hot day or was it a cold day? Oh, it was a hot day. Okay. It was great. We were preaching in front of a beer garden on Venice Beach. Uh-huh. And we had, I love captive audiences because these were all people drinking their drinks mm-hmm. in the beer garden. And captive audiences are organic. You don't need any hormones to grow them. They're just automatically there. <laughs> They're there. <laughs> now, okay, is, now is this the same um, legendary beer garden where someone threw a coin at you and it was about to hit you in the face and then something happened? Is it that? Is it that? I don't story? remember that. Okay. Maybe. Let's just say yes. Okay, good. Well, I don't remember the details, All but right. it sounds pretty exciting. Okay, well, that, okay, that might be, that <laughs> might have been someone else. So anyway, one of the things I always appreciated about your website, it just had the most interesting and funny articles um, of your evangelism adventures and the people you talk to. And you just always had a really good way of of making making uh you know your life just just a lot of fun. You know, I remember you would always post um, articles about the annual doodah parade. Yes. You know, tell us a little bit about that. What was the doodah parade? Well, the doodah parade is the anti tournament of roses parade, where anybody dresses up as well as knucklehead as knuckleheaded as you can get. Okay. And you go out there and you march around in a parade. And I thought it was wonderful because there were a lot of atheist floats Hmm. and we were using sound at the time and we were preaching to the atheists as well as all the other people who were out there. I remember preaching to a guy on three or four foot stilts and it really is a carnival 
atmosphere, and I believe they still do it. They do it around June or July, okay. halfway into the summer. Where is that? What city is that? In, in? Uh, Pasadena. Okay. And that was really an exciting time to go and open air preach and give the gospel there. Well, you know, every place is an exciting place to yeah. do that. Um, I I learned so much from Ray. You say I'm creative, and well, he is so creative, and Whenever we asked him, where did you get your ideas? He says, well, he has a creative father. You've heard that before, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And we have the same father, so I'm very excited about it's that. That's true. Another thing I always appreciated about you at the Ambassadors Academies, you would have a team, and you were kind of known as the guy who was was maybe the most uh, fearless and rigorous with your team. So you would have this this kind of uh, track you would take people on. The, the, uh, wasn't it called the Horseshoe or, or the U or something like oh, that? Oh, that's where we went in Huntington Beach at yeah. the end. Okay. And it was a fearless endeavor. They would call me the pusher. <laughs> the pusher. I figure, you know, people were paying hundreds of dollars to fly into the Ambassador's yeah. Academy to learn to preach. They need to get pushed. And they needed to be pushed. And I thought if I didn't make them... Mm-hmm do something they didn't want to do, then they would leave and feel bummed that they didn't get all they could out of it. And I'm happy to say that 100% of the students that were with me uh-huh. did it all. That's they so they preached in the open air. They mm-hmm. did one-on-one. They did gospel tracks. And I loved doing that because it's, it's you're in a zone. You're in a whole zone yeah. with the apostles in the book of Acts huh. when you do that. And the same Holy Spirit that motivated them to do greater things than Jesus Works in us now. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll never forget, we had we had this rather rotund lady, mm-hmm. and she was on our team, and we saw this little teeny bar, and it was, it's like you could barely squeeze in. So and, a bar like alcohol bar. Yeah, it was okay. alcohol bar, and it was the Daria Challenge. And I said, so your challenge is this, you've got to go in that bar and hand out three gospel tracks. Now, the funny thing was, she could barely squeeze into the bar, oh, no. but she did it anyway, uh-huh. and she won the challenge. <laughs> she did so, another thing I remember is you always had these little names, these little code names for all the challenges. So, one was trash talking. What, yeah, what was yeah. trash talking? Uh, oh, that's when you stood up on a cement garbage can in Huntington Beach. A trash can. A trash can, and you gave the gospel. That's right. And you had, you you succeeded in the challenge when you got a shut up. When shut you got up. one shut up, then That's you right. then you have succeeded. Yeah, and the, okay, and then that reminds me, there another thing you it's did. It's not shut up, by the way. It is shut, shut up, because they are mad for no reason, <laughs> okay. really. And then another, that reminds me of another thing you would do, is you would have the people hand out tracks, and they had to get a certain number of rejections yes. before they, they met the goal. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You know what the odds so are great. in Huntington Beach? I think you're going to get rejected probably one out of five times. Okay. And when people realize the success rate that comes with handing out a track mm. using that same old comfort phrase, did you get one of these? But right. I simplified it to one word. Huh. Want to hear it? Yeah. Okay. Write this down at home. Okay. You have your tract, you uh-huh. see the person, you look them in the eyes, and you go, here, it works. <laughs> that works, too. It works. Here, because when you're getting shoved, something that looks like money, people will always take it. Huh. Let's imagine, this is America. What a That's great true. country, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Man. Um, so, okay, and then one last one last uh, Steve Sanchez le- legendary memory. 
the elevator preaching. The, mm. the, ele- the elevator. The uh, one floor gospel. One floor gospel. Okay, tell us yes. about this. Oh, I love that. When you go into malls and they have the two floor elevator, uh-huh. you go in and you wait till it's crowded and you have your assistant hold the door open an extra 10 seconds. You give everyone a gospel tract and then you nod to your assistant and they hit the close button. Right when the door starts to close, you give the one floor gospel. Now, as simple as this. They get the gospel tract and they go, hi everybody, you just got a trillion dollar bill. On the back is a trillion dollar question. Here it is, if you die today, would you go to heaven or hell? Here's a quick test. Have you ever lied, ever stolen, ever misused God's name? If so, then you're a lying thief and a blasphemer. On judgment day, you'll be found guilty and end up in hell. But that's not God's will. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and repent, God will forgive you and grant you everlasting life. And then right when the door opens up, they boom, they get out of there. And you go, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but everlasting life. (laughs) And then you do it again. Okay, now, now, just to be clear, you are in the elevator yes. with them as this happens. Yes, yes. I remember Ray was telling me that he was terrified of you because of that. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I don't want to be with Steve in the elevator. Oh. So you you are actually one of the few guys that Ray was terrified That's of. That's I didn't know that. Yeah, he was he was kind of half joking, but I'm not sure he was joking. I, I just remember those were those are some really fun days, and it was just always such a blessing to have you around. Um, <laughs> oh. And so you were you were extremely involved in evangelism. You were extremely involved in leading your church and your evangelism team. And I would always see you going out to different places. You were always at the uh, Rose Bowl parade and, and kind of every single little different local event that came Michael up. Michael Jackson's memorial service. That's right. Where well, he gave us 7,000 special Michael Jackson tracks. That's right. And, what, and we got to try them out. And what was that like? What was oh, that? it was great. It was great. Everyone took them. Mm-hmm. You know, we said these are special commemorative items for this memorial service. Yeah. And I offered my daughter $10 if she would hand out a thousand of them. And she was 10 years old at oh, the wow. time. And she did. And we would open air preach. That's I was with so Righteous cool. Richard Chabaria. Oh my goodness. And another, we would go, an, another, oh, another legend. Love that man. Love that man. <laughs> and we would preach on the corners. The cops would move us. And we have come up with a policy where you never argue with the police when they move you because what ends up happening is they will move you to a better corner with more people. Huh. Okay. Happens every time, every time. And that's what we did. We did that all day long and had interviews with all these people who look like Michael Jackson. <laughs> and what a great opportunity, right? Yeah. To just speak to these people. No, that's amazing. Yeah, because but, Michael was, is their God or was their God? Yeah. So let's tell, point him to the real God. Very true. Okay. So you, you were very involved in uh, street evangelism, open air preaching, teaching others how to uh, street witness and, and, and that kind of thing. And then, um, at your church a while back, and I, and I don't know the number of years, I'll have you tell me in a minute, you made a transition from moving from California to Texas to to start a church or become a... Ch- Plant a church. Plant yeah. a church. Okay. So, so how long ago was that? It was 2013, and three months after I went to the Shepherds Conference then, mm-hmm. I got the call to uproot my family and... Everything I knew and loved, 54 years in L.A., mm. and a good-paying pastoral position at Hope Chapel, Hermosa Beach. And a yearly doodah parade. Oh, and, uh, and all the 13 events, big parades we went to in a year. Huh. And I was five years away from my pension, had a platinum medical benefit plan, uh-huh. and I moved Wow. I moved. Can you believe that? You hit the restart button. Oh, I said I would never plant a church in my life because it's a post-Christian, anti-Christian culture, uh-huh. and you will die 
<laughs> you will die when you plant a church. And I, God moved me to Dripping Springs, Texas to plant a church in a storefront. And I didn't realize that storefront churches in the hill country of Texas don't work. As one pastor told me, in Texas, mm-hmm. church is a building. And a, that is exactly what church is when you are in that culture. And wow. I didn't know that. And after a year and a half, it failed. Mm-hmm. But through God's providence, I got hired at another church called Community Church of the Hills in Johnson City, Texas, hometown of LBJ. Okay. And yes. that's where you're at now. That's where I'm at now. And I've been there a little over four years. And the and so I was, I've been in Texas nearly seven and the first five were hell. Uh-huh. Pure hell. Okay. I'm not kidding you. Hell. And um, 2019 was the first year that it turned into heaven. Okay. It really did. It was right. extremely difficult. Wow. And so now after you moved to Texas, at one point, I got to um, be part of an X Games outreach in Austin, Texas. Yes. And you showed up there and you, you yes. got to be there. And well, like how far into your um, move to Texas was that? Do you remember? That was a year. That was like within okay. a year. So, was, so was, I was still on fire and I was still beginning. using all the methods of way of the master mm-hmm. i didn't i didn't modify anything yeah i would hand out my goal when i planted the church first in dripping springs was to hand out 15 gospel tracks a day before i left before i left to go back home 15 tracks a day and of course some of those had witnessing encounters so every and every single day every of day your life every day you except are for probably one day i think i took one day off but i did that for the first year and a half okay my goal is 15 tracks a day and everyone took them because christian Texas is a Christian culture. Yeah. L.A. is primarily an atheist culture. Hmm. But in Texas, it's a Christian culture. They readily took them. They all agreed. Everyone agrees with the gospel. Yeah. Except for maybe a handful of people. Okay. And you know how many people came to our church as a result? Huh. Zero. None. Yeah. Kind <laughs> a bummer. But people Man. came. I think people will come to church who were not invited by you with your gospel track because you're out there doing it. So God will bring other people in. Because hmm. when I was at Hope Chapel, we handed out over 1 million tracks in one year. Wow. That was our goal. And I swear, nobody came from the tracks, but people came. Okay. And I thought, maybe it's just because we're obedient and God's bringing them anyway. Right. But even if nobody came, we're still called to preach the gospel. We're yeah. still called to get those tracks into people's hands and to get the word of God out. Well, and then also something that a lot of people don't think about all the time is just the aspect of here you are, you're at a church, you're a a leader, a pastor. um, And by bringing your people from the church to hand out tracks, you're teaching them to step out in faith. You're teaching them to not be afraid of the world. You're, You're teaching them to let their light so shine in the world around them. And that, yeah. that's a huge thing for a lot of people. Let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and praise your Father in heaven. And one of those good works is obviously giving the gospel, but I have had to focus more now on the other good works, less gospel preaching and less evangelism and more focusing on, on being a good Christian witness by my deeds. It's been a huge transition. So this is actually an interesting change for you coming from street evangelist, um, you know, talking to people um, and having the attitude of, you know, relationship evangelism 
is wrong. It's a bad word. It's a wrong. Oh, it's I hated wrong, it. Hated, hated it. it. Yeah, and 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 the the problem, the normal problem with relationship evangelism is, as an evangelist, if you focus on the relationship, that w- then what often happens is you end up caring so much about the relationship that you don't want to offend them, so you don't talk about judgment or hell or anything that's going to offend them. Right. And t- the more time goes by. You know, then you care more about the relationship and you don't want to risk that. So you end up not actually sharing the gospel to them. And there's so many Christians who kind of fall into that that cycle, that category of of saying, well, I'm going to be I'm going to befriend this unbeliever. And through our friendship, at some point, I'm going to preach the gospel to him. But what what happens often is that point never comes, you know, and And not only that is. How many years do you need to form that relationship before you've earned the right to share the gospel? And in those years, that friend or relative may die. I remember reading John Speed's small booklet, Evangelism in the New Testament. Yeah. And I believe the numbers in uh, the Gospels, in the New Testament, Acts, relationship evangelism accounts for less than 15% of all the other evangelism that was done and practiced in the oh, New Testament. Okay, so he went, I don't have the exact numbers, but he he looked at every evangelistic counter in the New Testament. Interesting. And it's so small. Nevertheless, I had to make that transition because people in my church were actually leaving our church because of my strong evangelism message. So here comes the California street preacher. Yes. The guy who's given out 15 tracks a day, no matter yes. what, before lunch often. And <laughs> yeah, do it first. Get it out of the way. <laughs> that way you don't have to worry about it the rest of the day. Do That's it first right. thing. Get it out of the way, whatever your goal is. That's right. Here comes the guy who's who's wanting to train his people how to do trash talking and yes. on the trash can. And all of a sudden you're, you're shepherding a flock and there's a lot of people there who are just very uncomfortable with this. Yes. And they don't like the thought of them looking at you and saying, oh my goodness, this guy's going to want me to be out there on the street and, and doing this. And so people start leaving the church. And that's exactly what happened. And a, one man told me, you know, I invited a couple of people to church and they said, oh, is that the pastor who said I'm going to hell? And of course, in the way we share our faith with the way of the master, we don't tell people they're going to hell we ask them, so now that you've just admitted you're guilty, where do you think you'll go, heaven or hell? Right. They admit it. But regardless, it comes out that way. Sure. And my elders cautioned me that this method of evangelism would not work here. And I told them, well, nothing works here. It's God <laughs> who works. Right. Right? But um, I consistently rejected their counsel. Mm. And yes, I was unsubmittive because I go, what? I, I shouldn't share the gospel? But... Ultimately, when we almost had a church split because of all of this, mm. and the this man left in addition to a few others, and I was getting no traction, and in fact, I was developing a reputation as a jerk, mm. or that loudmouth, or whatever, and it's all true when you're an evangelist, yes, but when you're in a, in a metropolitan area like LA of 13 million people, you can afford that, because it's anonymous, it's anonymous. but when you're in a small town of, get this, 1500 people. Wow. And a county of 13 of I'm sorry 11,500 people, it's very small. And God opened my eyes to what they were saying as being correct. 
and I struggled. It was October 22nd, 2018. I woke up and after reading my Bible and having my quiet time, I was not going to leave until I wrestled with God and got an answer. I go, God, do you want me to shift to relational evangelism? (laughs) And I struggled and I wrestled. I go, how will I know? Because my elders don't want me to do this and they're frustrated. The congregation is frustrated. What do I do? So God gave me the, the incredible wisdom to say, to call Ray Comfort. I go, okay, I'm going to call Ray Comfort and ask him what he thinks. So I called him. I gave him the scenario, and he goes. Okay, now, first of all, but before you say what he said, what in your mind, what are you thinking, this is what Ray is going to think, this is what Ray thinks. Like, what, what, what do you, did you have any idea of, like, what you thought he was going to say? You've known Ray for a long time. Yes, I've known Ray since you've, you've, uh, July 31st, 2005. You've heard him say over and over again how relationship evangelism yes. is just a, a bad yes. thing. Yes, So, okay, so, so you call him and, uh... Well, first I called Scotty. Okay. Stuart Ray, Scott. That is, that is Ray's, um, open-air preaching... Buddy. Uh, right-hand man right-hand as man. well. Yeah. And I called him. He says, no, keep it up. Keep it up. And I'm like, oh, crud. Oh, okay. Burn the, and, and burn I, the city. Yeah, yeah, rightfully <laughs> so, right? I understand yeah. that. But I go, no, God said to talk to Ray Comfort, so I called Ray. Yeah. And and I emailed him. Can I, or I texted him. And I go, can I talk to you? I need some advice. And he texted back, yes. I go, huh? He goes, yes, that's my advice. I go, well, you don't even know what it is. He goes, I just, I just find that saying yes works. So anyway, we talked. I explained the situation to him, and he says, we, we are live in a, in a small we, town. We are in a parking lot, folks. Yeah, we're in a, <laughs> you're in a small town. Mm-hmm. Preaching the gospel to members in your small town is like preaching to your unsaved family every day huh. in your own home. Man, that's you so wouldn't true. do that. And he told me that in New Zealand, he was in a small town and he had to change his me- his methods. And he said that you need to focus on doing good works and building a reputation, as as Peter says, right? So the foolish talk of of unbelievers would be silenced by your good works. And I thought, oh my, oh my, is this- oh he's. He's agreeing with me now. Is, is this really Ray oh saying Oh my gosh. This? And what a what a wise thing to say. He isn't married to the method. No. And evangelism is a means to an end. The end being people getting saved. And if that method doesn't get people there and ruins your reputation, which can happen no matter where you are, we're promised that, right? Right. Blessed are you when you are when you were persecuted for righteousness. Uh, so I had a dilemma after that. I thanked Ray, but then I go, who am I? My identity hmm. was so wrapped up in being an evangelist, and you that's are, easy to do. You are the California street preacher who... You know, who... yes, yes. And God revealed to me, oh, I'm pastor at Community Church of the Hills. <laughs> Imagine that. So this was a big revelation for you because if anyone had asked me who is Steve Sanchez, I would say he's the guy that is fearless, that can walk into any elevator with a crowd of people and preach the gospel to them. And just, you know, um, what a lot of people would find is awkward and hard to do. He's a guy who can be as loud as he needs to be and just 
you know, talk about what whatever uncomfortable thing that Christians don't want to talk about. And that that was you, you know? Yeah, that was me. And what I ended up doing was uh, I called a meeting of my elders and I apologized to them for being unsubmitted to their counsel. Wow. Now, it's interesting because I believe I was righteously unsubmitted because I needed to preach the gospel, but they were... These these godly men were had lived there for thirty years and they knew, but right. I didn't know and I didn't trust them enough at the time. I'd only been a pastor there now at the time for about mm, maybe a little under three years. But I apologized and then they asked me, Can you give a message and apologize to the congregation? And I did. Wow. And I did. <laughs> and how I couched oh I couched the message though in the need for evangelism. Huh. And I couched it with you know how persecution happens in this, but there's a there's a time to change our methods, and I wanted to change my methods because I wanted to reach JC for JC. JC is Johnson City. Okay. And the way I was doing it was not the way to do it. And I'll tell you, when I did that, when I stopped evangelizing. By the way, I still evangelize, but I did it outside the city in other towns and okay. Austin. That's all fine, fair game. <laughs> Okay. okay. Now, just now, just to be clear, a minute, a little bit ago on the podcast, you basically said that um, this person in your church left because they got upset because you were talking. Many about, people left. Okay, because you were talking about hell. So my question is this: Was it that the elders at your church and the people at your church were upset because they don't like the the idea of hell, or was it that they don't like the way you were presenting it? Um, and talking about it, and it was coming off in a way that they just saw as, um, you know, ungracious or, or something like that. Was, was no, it, it wasn't that I talked about hell because our, our congregation is a gospel congregation. They believe in the gospel and the good news and the bad news. So mm-hmm. it wasn't the issue with my emphasis on hell. It was uh, my emphasis on pushing them to evangelize the way I did it and telling uh, everyone they needed to do it that way. Okay. And the fact that I was doing that and pushing people away. So that was the issue. They they support me a hundred percent, and they are a great and loving congregation. But God was using them and using my elders wow. to change me. So would you say that the issue was more here? You are at a church, and you're trying to lead the believers there to do evangelism the way you do it. When a lot of them are maybe immature or uncomfortable and they're just kind of not there yet. Like not everyone is a street preacher. Not everyone has the, the wherewithal and the theological background to be able to, let's say, argue with an atheist in the middle of uh, Austin or, or some, or, you know, refute an evolutionist in some very uh, uncomfortable setting. Is that more the issue? Like you, having these people do evangelism the way you do it and the way you thought they should do it. I think the issue was they wanted me to be their pastor. Huh? That was the issue. And God tried, well, he doesn't try because if he tries anything, then he can fail. Right. I, (laughs) I hadn't gotten awakened yet to the fact that, I need to shift my whole mindset to what God had called me to do in the hill country. So they because were, we have people who who invite their atheist neighbors over for for dinner. We have people who uh, interact in the street, but they just don't do it way of the master. And I was so laser beam focused that that was the only way. I have now 
broaden my approach to saying, hey, if you go out there and just say Jesus loves you, I'm okay with that because no one mentions Jesus publicly anymore, Hmm. right? I'm okay with people befriending their neighbors down the street and doing it the way God has called you to do it. So I am not so dogmatic anymore. For me, way of the master is still the way that I evangelize. And when I go outside of my town and I meet people, also I do give the gospel in the context of relationship. If I've been meeting with someone for several weeks or months over time, there'll come a time where they'll ask me about what I believe and then I'm able to give the gospel. I gave a memorial service on Monday uh, with somebody who doesn't even go to our church, but they had read my articles in our local paper and they asked me to do a memorial service and I gave the full on gospel Yeah. there. So it's not that I'm a, I'm unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God and his salvation for all who believe. And I have just had to change my approach. So I really like that idea of, you know, since you're in a small town and basically you're seeing the same faces all the mm-hmm. time, not just in your church, but the unbelievers are, are around you. you, you get to know these people. I really don't see it any different as, like you said, sharing the gospel with your family. And, yes. you know, you, usually the, the way that happens is, you know, a Christian might share the gospel with their family once and then you know, either it'll be accepted or your family member will be angry at you. It might be awkward. But then after that, you're not going to be saying the same thing to them every time you see them. You're not going to be, you know, handing them a tract or, you know, trying to trying to explain um, the doctrine of hell to them every single time you see it. The, the, once the gospel is understood or once this person know, knows that... Um, they can come to you whenever they want if they do have a, a question about God or anything like that. Once that's kind of been established, um, you really, you're really not going to be pushing your family member all the time to, you know, a- a- accept it. It really becomes more of a, you know, trying to just be a light around these people and, and, yes, and yes. just love them, you know. I don't it, give the gospel anymore to my, to my parents. Um, right. When I was first saved, I was super zealous mm-hmm. without knowledge and I just beat him over the head. In fact, to the point where I actually had to write an apology letter to my mom the first year I was a Christian huh. and my dad, I gave him the gospel many times. Once he had a heart attack, I gave it to him in the hospital and said, you know, dad, you know, you may not have much time left. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, another time he found all these gospel tracks on the floor of my car and he goes, what are these? I'm like, Oh, and he read them and he goes, son, um, you give these out to people? I said, yes. And they go, you're going to get your butt kicked. <laughs> and then for emphasis, he said, son, you're going to get your butt kicked. And so he heard the gospel many times. But what ended up happening was uh, when his uh, niece died, I was asked to do the funeral service. When his sister died, I gave the memorial service that my dad invited me. We sang Amazing Grace. I gave the full-on gospel. He's heard it. He's heard it. My mom has heard it. Heard it. My family has heard it. Now, guess what I do? Hmm. I'm just being the best son I can be, the best best brother I can be, friendly, gracious, loving. I don't have any need whatsoever to get the gospel out there anymore. They know. They know. So... What what good am I going to do a, a, apart from what I have already done? God's word never returns empty, but will accomplish yeah. what he has set out for it to do. So he doesn't need me to give them the gospel. It may be somebody else like you meeting them in a right. mall, giving them the gospel. And 
And, you know, the reality is maybe they'll never believe. Right. And I can't make someone believe. So I'm comfortable more and more. You know what? I've become a true Calvinist. Okay. Truly, I've become a true Calvinist now. And what's that? What's the what's the true one? I actually believe God saves. Huh. <laughs> he doesn't need me. He uses us, <laughs> okay. but he doesn't need me. So I think I was acting more as an Arminian <laughs> that I had to do it. I acted, my motto was this, hmm. that I evangelize as if God doesn't save. I said that. Wow. I mean, that was my motto. I believe he does save. Yeah. But that's how I was acting. Now I can rest in the knowledge that salvation is of the Lord. Hmm. And since I've shared that testimony of small town relational evangelism, I've had many people come to me in small towns saying they've learned the same thing. Wow. And perhaps this needs to be emphasized a little bit more. You know what's you really know? you know what's really interesting? So so I evangelize in a big town. I'm I'm in Oceanside quite a bit, but I'll tell you this, I'm I'm in the same spot every during the summer every Thursday night. I've been doing that for I don't know, eight or nine years. And over the years I've I've got to know a lot of the, the locals there. These are unbelievers who I might I might witness to for like let's say an hour, two hours one night. We might get into some really deep, sometimes maybe heated conversation. And then I'll see them again two weeks later, a month later, maybe a year later. And more often than not, um, you know, when I see them the second time, I'll say hi to them. Maybe they'll say, you know, what's up to me? And we'll get into a, a little talk. And usually it's just very cordial, you know, yes. um, and, it, and it's not like me trying to, you know, go right back to that conversation we had two months ago and, and win the argument. No, the seed was planted. The seed was planted. And so now, you know, it, it and, and so, I, and so that's, you know, it's funny, that's not something I've ever really thought of. I just look mm. back and it's like, that's what I do. And I think that's kind of a natural thing to do. Once the gospel has gone out and someone understands it, I think I just kind of go into, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm content with the fact that they understand the gospel. And then at that point, I just care about this person yes. and I want to be nice to them yes. and whatever, whatever that might look like, even if it's just as simple as, Hey man, how you doing? I hope, hope everything's going good. You know? Yes. So, so yeah, big town or small town. I, I think, um, just the fact that you are in a place where you are in a small town and you see this, you say the same grocery guy, you see this, the same, yes. everybody, um, that really makes sense that, you know, right from the start, you're already in the mode of, okay, this is my family. I see these people all the time. Yes. And so I have to have, take a different tactic. The gospel is still the same. The gospel itself doesn't change, but the way we present it to people, the way we're, we're known as, as the Christians who are out there, um, giving, giving the gospel, there's, there's a lot to be said about that. And that's really, it sounds, that sounds like really wise elders that you have there. In, in, they are in the great there. and they were, uh, they are wise and that's why I apologize, but it was at an impasse and I didn't know what else to do. Mm. But the best thing you can do is humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. But I knew I needed to because I was very, uh, quite arrogant, quite yeah. arrogant. So what I do now, this is how it's played out in my small town is I've been on the local chamber of commerce board of directors for three years. I'm getting to know the art community, getting to know the business community and they get to see me. What a, what is a fundamentalist, Christian pastor look like, and I want to be the nicest guy in the room. The fun, I, you're going to be the fun fundy. I am. Yeah. I'm putting the fun back in fundamentalist <laughs> to use that old joke. That's right. And I give the invocation every month 
at our local city hall meeting. Mm. And I also give the invocation monthly at our Blanco County Republican meeting. Blanco and, County. Yes, and I give the invocation at the tractor pulls. You have and tractor pulls. We wow. have tractor pulls. And we started something called Hunters for the Hungry where we give out deer burger to those who are in need. Oh, dear. And we're trying to think of how many things we can do to be a blessing to our community. And up until uh, a couple of months ago, I wrote for our, our local paper every week for four years. And people would come as a result of just reading a rational, reasonable Christian huh. talking about life. Yeah, And I did that with a sense of humor. And my evangelism focus is almost nil on my blog now. That changed after 2013. Right. But now it's relating to people as a normal person, a mm. normal Christian person. Yeah. Right? It's the normal Christian life. And and evangelism is part of what I do. It's part of my life now. Right. It's not it doesn't consume me. It I'm sure it became an idol at one point and I took a certain amount of pride mm-hmm. in doing that and being renowned for that. But now really uh he must increase, I yeah. must decrease. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Man, you know what? There's so much uh, that can be s- said about um, street evangelists who are at a church and someone, the pastor, the elder, might say something to them. Hey, you know what? You need to tone it down a little bit on the way you're you're throwing hell in people's faces. Or, hey, you know, we saw you out on the street corner and you're holding up the sign and, and it said hell is real. Um, maybe you can choose another message or, or, or something like that. And, and more often than not, the evangelists will get upset at the pastor and they'll mm. basically think, what are these wimpy Christians even doing? Why am I even going to this it's church? It's a matter if, of pride. If this pastor was a real Christian, he would be out there next to me yes. on the street open yes. air preaching. And so how many, how many evangelists have we seen um, where they basically get into that mode of being dissatisfied that their church are out because in their eyes, they're the only real Christian who's actually yes, go- taking the gospel out the street. And, and next thing you know, these guys leave the church and then they got their own home home church. And then next thing you know, they know they're basically what, what Tony Miano coined the phrase, they're nomads. Or they're, the Church of the Unaccountable. Church of the Unaccountable. And their church consists of other guys who are just as disgruntled as them, who have, yes. have who don't want any elder to tell them anything what to do, and they're basically out there on college campuses screaming at unbelievers all day long and just yes. kind of totally unaccountable, you know. And so that and, and that, that's a, that's a problem. That's a big problem. I would suggest that as difficult as it can be to submit to your elders, hmm. submit to your elders' counsel, pray and wait, and if it becomes untenable where you're not allowed to evangelize, and it, it would be hard for me to believe that any elder would forbid you to evangelize, but perhaps God might show you a different way, uh, a subtler way, a uh, more gentle way, at least in their eyes, right? And it's also a lesson in humility and submission. I mean, we're Americans, and mm. we don't have to submit to much. True. And when you become an evangelist, it's almost like we're inoculated to submission because we feel like we're the top of the Christian food chain because yes. we're actually fulfilling what Jesus said in Mark sixteen fifteen, and that's pride. Yeah. That's pride. And 
we need to be gentle and humble and approachable, and we need to be model Christians in our church. And perhaps God is keeping those elders from giving you permission, full permission to do what you want because you're doing what you want. You know what, man? I, boy, this really reminds me of something that happened with me in my early days. So I get home from the Ambassadors Academy. This is like right when I learned how to open air preach and I'm sharing the gospel publicly. So I got, I get out of the Ambassadors Academy and right away I have all these new friends, all these new street preacher friends. Yes. And, you know, street, pre- street preachers are an interesting group of people. Yes, you, know? you don't want to really have them as friends. <laughs> Very true. So, so anyway, I start going to all these little street preaching events, and um, these guys call me, and, and they're they're kind of this like, hey, there's a car show right in your in your neighborhood. We're going to be down there preaching. You want to join us? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So I, I show up there. These guys had a brand new, over a thousand dollar coffin. So a brand new coffin and it's on a roller. And so these guys have a coffin out in the middle of the street and open up the lid. There's all these gospel tracks in it and stuff. And they're preaching all around the coffin. And I'm like, this is cool. So I start preaching too. Someone from my church walks by and, and, and they're just scared to death of me. And so they didn't even say anything to me later. They went and talked to my elders and they're like, what in the world is this guy in our church doing? And so I basically got this message um, hey, Eddie, uh, it's great that you're out there preaching, but, you know, uh, maybe you can not use coffins and, and stuff. <laughs> right, stuff right. Like. And, and I got to admit, I was mad. I was like, yes. who are these guys to tell me yes. how to preach? These guys are, 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 are they're not out here doing it. They don't understand how effective the coffin is. And anyway, so I, I, got, I got upset. But then I basically understood that, well, we're supposed to submit to our elders. And at that point I had a choice to make. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm either going to not submit or I'm going to submit. And so I, I submitted and I didn't like it, but man, years late, years would go by and I would become friends with the elders and I would understand their wisdom, wisdom. And as time went on, they, they began to pour into me and they ended up, uh, you know, seeing that I was more interested in being biblical rather than you know, being being cool and hanging out with my friends with the coffin and stuff yes, like that. Yes. And so um, years went by, and now these same elders, um, whenever someone comes to them at church and has a question about evangelism, they point them to me. You know, amazing. Yeah, and and so, uh, boy, it's it's. Uh, I, I well, the doors even... open for you when you submitted to your elders, just as the doors opened for mm. me and our church, and now we're on an uptick of growth, and we have. Uh, developed real community and I'm so proud of our beautiful, wonderful, awesome church and what God has done in Mm. the last year. And I believe it would not have happened if I had not come to that revelation on October 22nd, 2018 to call Ray Comfort to ask what to do, but I was in a dilemma. So if anybody can get anything out of this and I don't know who your audience is, but this covers everybody Mm -hmm. submit to your elders Mm. submit to your elders because they have your best interests at heart even if you feel like well wait they're wrong we'll submit and and work it out yeah but you can't work it out if you don't submit and what a lesson that was for me and then now i get to submit to my congregation 
Huh. Right? It yeah. just opens that door. In fact, we are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I, w- I, would, I would just add, the only reason a person would not submit to their elders would be if that elder is doing something or have you doing something that's very clearly unbiblical. Uh, absolutely. And unfor- that's right. Unfortunately, that, that, you know, we, more and more we see things about sexual scandals and things like sure. that. And, and so, you know, that that's kind of an obvious thing. But as far as things that have to do with... Um, that the way you do things, the way things are done around the church, um, you know, we just need to s- submit to our elders and not think that somehow we're wiser than the system that God has put in place. And that's that's uh, a plurality of elders within the local church and those men leading le- leading the charge, you know? That's right. And so, uh, you know, we're as evangelists, we are not the lead pastor. We are not the guy in charge. We are part of the body of Christ. And if we think that we can do it on our own or we're wiser than, than the pastors that God has put in our church, if we, if we somehow think that, um, you know, we're better than all that, then it's like you said, that's just pride. And that's just, that just isn't right. Right. So absolutely. Well, so Steve, man, it's been so good talking to you and man, thanks for sharing. I know that that wasn't an easy thing. It's still not an easy thing for you to be going through. You still have so many, so many changes but this is this is just the uh man this is the road that god has put you on and i'm excited to to just see you know to meet up in heaven and talk about all the all the stuff that uh or we come to austin again okay yeah community church of the hills.org okay we have the we have the best i like saying this we have the <laughs> the best little hallelujah house in texas nice nice <laughs> and if people want to check out your blog and and on this blog um it, man, if you go back through the years, you will find some of the... 2013 the, be and, and pre-2013. <laughs> okay. You will find just all kinds of really interesting and fun and very helpful evangelism articles and videos and, and just things like that. So again, what's what's the name of your uh, your blog? StoneThePreacher.com. StoneThePreacher.com. Don't, thro- right. don't throw a rock at him if you see him preaching, folks. Just and if you do, I'll sign it. <laughs> Sign the rock. Okay. All right, Steve. Thanks so Thank much. Thank you, Eddie. If you've learned anything from this episode or if you've enjoyed this podcast in any way, please give it a good review on iTunes. This is the best way for other people to notice Romans Road and give it a listen. The more Christians we have learning about evangelism and the more evangelism taking place, the more we glorify the Lord. Ray Comfort here. If you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, please take a moment to do so now. On your phone's podcast app, search for Romans Road, and when you find it, hit subscribe. It's free, and by doing so, you'll get all episodes past, present, and future. Then when you're finished, head over to livingwaters.com for a huge collection of evangelism videos, articles, tracks, and resources to help you share the gospel with those around you. That's livingwaters.com. Thanks for listening to Romans Road. If you want to learn how to evangelize, check out my book, Search and Rescue, available at eddyroman.com. On my website, you'll also find videos and other things to encourage you to preach the gospel to your friends and family. That's eddyroman.com. See you next time.